Hi, I'm Nate, and I want to tell you why I'm excited to give you these devotions and why I hope and how I hope that they transform you. You know, there's a special time, usually in the morning, when the mist rolls into a valley and just sits there like a thick blanket, kind of holding everything in over the sleeping landscape. And it's beautiful and it's serene to behold, but it's also fragile. It doesn't last very long, so you have to rise up early and look out over it, not speaking, just soaking in the view. And uh, as the sun comes up, then the mist quickly evaporates and the buzz and the hum of activity kicks in and you can't hold it back from happening, can you? But you're not meant to stop this advance in the day either. Uh, that's how God designed it. But you can enjoy the calm before it and look forward to it the next morning. Well, I believe that similarly, there's a special time for our souls, usually also in the morning. You know, at night, our body and our soul rest, become calm, usually. Uh, we, we sleep, which we need so badly. And when we wake up for a while, that sits also like a blanket protecting us for a few minutes before the world awakens and rushes in on us. Uh, with the work and the activity buzzing all around us. You can't stop that activity in your own life either. You're not meant to, but you can enjoy some time alone with the Lord, and you can look forward to that every morning with eagerness. Though, if we're honest, few of us do. Why do we call the time that we spend with the Lord reading and praying, doing devotions, have you ever thought about that? You know, this is one of the words that have become part of our Christian vocabulary. And uh, it's familiar and conjures up something in your mind when I say it. Devotions. I believe that that word stuck for this activity because it's rich with meaning. If we go all the way back to 1828, Noah Webster completed his 28-year work, uh, The American Dictionary of the English Language. Can you imagine doing any work like that for 28 years before you complete it? I don't think I could do that. Now, what he wanted was uh, to build this whole dictionary for words and make it very complete. So to evaluate the etymology of words, Webster learned 26 languages, including Old English, Anglo-Saxon, and Greek, Hebrew, and Latin, and all those others. Uh, now, Noah Webster was a Christian, and he famously said that education is useless without the Bible. I want to read you his definitions from 200 years ago for the word devotion. And I don't want to rush through these because they're very rich. Let's soak these in. The state of being dedicated, consecrated, or solemnly set apart for a particular purpose a solemn attention to the supreme being in worship, a yielding of the heart and affections to God with reverence, faith, and piety in religious duties, particularly in prayer and meditation, devoutness, external worship, acts of religion, performance of duties, religious duties, prayer to the supreme being, 
a Christian will be regular in his morning and evening devotions, an act of reverence, respect, or ceremony, ardent love or affection, attachment manifested by constant attention, as the Duke was distinguished by his devotion to the King and to the interest of the nation, earnestness, ardor, eagerness, Disposal, the power of disposing of, the state of dependence. Isn't that incredible? Devotion is, or at least it was, an absolutely incredible word. It captures two important pieces, doesn't it? There's the disposition of the heart in it, but also of life in a multifaceted and powerful way. When we're devoted to a person, it must come from very deep we view them differently than every other person in some way. They're set apart to us. They capture our attention and we yield our own will to them. But not only that, we yield the very affections of our heart. But while devotion must spring from the heart, it isn't merely a feeling. No, it's the heart intertwined with action. When you look at a person who's devoted to another person, it's obvious. Note that I didn't say it should be obvious. If it isn't obvious, they probably aren't truly devoted. You, you can't hide earnestness, ardor, and eagerness. It's evident when someone lives in a state of dependence compared to independence and prioritization of another person. You're going to see that come out eventually if you're hanging out with them. Is this what my devotions look like with God? To Mr. Webster, you can't properly define the word without speaking of faith and prayer, meditation and worship to the God of the Bible. Am I truly devoted to God? Or even, do I even want to be devoted to God? If the answer to that last question is not really, then it's very likely that I'm not a real follower of Jesus as the Bible defines it. You see, a real Christian is a person who's come to the place where they want to yield completely. This happens only when we come to God and we raise empty hands and we say something like this. I want to be loved and accepted by you, but there's nothing I can do to erase this mountain of sins or to change my heart, which is predisposed to worship myself instead of you. I believe that this has created an impassable wall between us. But I also believe that Jesus suffered the agony of separation from you that I deserve, and in so doing, he traded places with me, cleansing me and placing me in his place, enveloped night and day by the unfiltered love and fellowship of the triune God forever. This means that when you paid for me, you purchased me, you own me. So it's my delight to live for you and no longer for myself. You are my Savior and my Lord. Now, you don't have to use all of those words, of course. It isn't the words that save you. It's what Jesus did for you that saves you. As we read in Ephesians 2, 1 through 9, which I encourage you to read. But until you acknowledge that truth and you begin to live um, a life that shows that you really believe it, there's no use or value in trying to be more devoted to God. 
James 2, 14 through 26 tells us that. We have to start there, being made new. Well, responding to Jesus' loving act of sacrifice for me, suffering in my place, is the most important and life-changing event in my life and in every human being who's willing to admit their low state in order to be lifted up permanently, given the title of son or daughter of God. And there's nothing I want more for you. And I pray that God use whatever means necessary, even taking away all that you love today, if that's not true for you, that you might live in his love forever. Now let's return to the first question. Am I truly devoted to God? And the counterpart question, how can I grow in my devotion to God? The answer is simple. We need to think differently and want God more than everything and everyone else. Romans 12, 1 through 2 speaks to this process. And I've personally experienced 35 years of being transformed. So I am living proof that it's a slow process. Not a single thing that you can just do. But I also have to admit that I look back with sadness and I see the selfishness and stubbornness of my heart, which has robbed me of deeper joy and has slowed down this process. I've missed out on a richer piece of knowing God that could have been mine, but I passed up on it. And I've also hurt many people, people that I love, because I was unwilling to be more devoted to God than to myself. And there's the catch. You see, there's only one throne in the throne room of every heart. And our flesh, the fallen part that we carry around, even as believers, is quick, so quick to put us on the throne and to put God in the corner. So that's why I've written these pages, why I'm recording the audio for these podcasts and even this video, these videos to share with you. I want to help you put God back where he belongs every day and dethrone yourself. Now, I know you're already trying to do this, but maybe it mostly feels like work. And uh, if you mostly feel guilt and shame about your devotion, I want to free you from that. You may feel like uh, the man or woman whose car is stuck deep in the mud, frustrated with slow going or no going. You strain and you push, but as hard as you do that, it doesn't matter. You don't make the progress. Well, I want you to feel through these devotions like you're being pulled onto the pavement again. And how fast you go is a matter of how much gas you're willing to put into the engine. I want to share one short story to close. A few weeks ago, as I was presenting and preparing a devotion with my three kids, I asked them, what does the word devotion mean? Uh, when we're not talking about uh, a few verses and a thought from the Bible, because that may be what first springs to mind. But if we're not talking about that, what does it mean? And they had some pretty good answers, but we looked up a definition on my phone to amplify it for us. And then as I looked at each of my own children, I was moved. I asked them, 
what if I was to ask you if you're devoted to me as your dad, but we only had 10 minutes together each morning? And what if half of that time was you forcing yourself to listen to some dry information that I have for you that you don't care about? And then the next five minutes you spent just asking me for a bunch of stuff that you want. And then we were done and you left for the day, not looking back, not even ending with a hug. That picture makes me cry. Firstly, because I love my kids and thinking about our relationship reduced to that level breaks my heart. Second, because I often have felt that way when meeting with my heavenly father if I've given him any time at all that day. But that picture also makes me smile and cry tears of joy because uh, the shame and the guilt wash away. Why? Because I realize that God is my perfect heavenly father and that every day for 35 years, he's been sitting there waiting, 100% available, devoted to me of all people, because I'm his son. And if we think again of that definition, that means he's eager and earnest and ardent with love and affection. He's also all-knowing and all-powerful. So that means that if I sit down and ask him to speak to me through his word, he will overflow with wisdom and insight that's so good and so deep that I'll probably have to stop and ask him, to teach me what it even means about my life and how to apply it. If I tell him about my life, I know that he cares. Even if I say it wrong, even if half of what I say doesn't make sense, he wants to hear me. He wants to spend time with me. He's not distracted with everything else he has going on. He wants to take care of me. He's promised he would, and he's never failed me. You know, he has allowed hard things into my life, even deep suffering. I don't deny it, nor do I want to. You know why? Because when I accept those as from his hand instead of out of his control, they teach me my weakness, my great need, and how willing and able my father is for everything in my life. At the end of my time with the Lord, however long that is today, I want that reality to change me. I want to be more like him because I love him, because I spend time with him, just to sit down and talk to him like a good friend. I want to have the thrill of excitement as I sit down because of the relationship that I have with him. When my heart and mind view devotions as a mean to experience God's devotion to me, then I grow in my devotion to him. It's easier to see and reject the flesh's false and hopeless efforts and to hear and follow the Spirit's voice leading me. When my focus is on walking with him, may the words in these pages, may the audio that you listen to and these short videos aid you in your own similar transformation. And may we all treasure and look forward to that special time for our soul.